Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, it's January and it is goal season. And some of us might be thinking to ourselves, oh my goodness, I just don't feel like doing goals. Now what? I feel you friend. It's a hard time of year to be all goal oriented when it's minus oh my Jesus outside and all you wanna do is pull the covers over your head and hibernate like the bears do. Unfortunately, we're not bears. We're people who have unlimited potential growing inside of us that needs to be unleashed to the world. So what's a girl to do? Well, first, you can join my awesome friend, Jackie Acri, for her Gold Trauma Winter Retreat. This is a live six-week group EFT tapping cohort that empowers you to tap into a steady source of freedom, flow, and fulfillment on demand, so you can have the life and business you want on your own terms. Six 90-minute live Zoom sessions where Jackie will guide you through a strategically crafted roadmap unraveling the root of your invisible wall and empowering you to feel safe as you rise and shine. In Gold Trauma Winter Retreat, you get that cozy, safe feel of these people really get me while enjoying the support and validation that keeps you inspired, motivated, and on track. Plus, you get the Tapping Tuck Shop. Enjoy 10 short, always available audio sessions for swift nervous system regulation. Easily accessible right on your phone where you listen to podcasts like this one. It's like having a personal EFT tapping practitioner at your fingertips. Just open the app and select the session that speaks to you in the moment. It all starts Feb 7th till March 13th, just in time for spring when we're naturally ready to awaken and grow. So if you want to use this winter to really set yourself up for success, join the Gold Trauma Winter Retreat and let go of your past goal failures, less than stellar results, or goal fatigue so you can grow for the rest of the year. Use the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What? Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for another Now What Wednesday. Always so grateful to have you guys tune in each and every week to listen to these amazing stories from these awesome guests who are here to pour out their heart and share some life lessons that they have gone through so that you can figure out your own Now What too. Today is no different. Uh, We have a new friend on the show. I love that the show has given me the opportunity to meet some amazing people. And recently met Tess and we just totally hit it off. And she and I have something in common. We both love us some money and we are not shy in talking about it and really want to help other people have access to more money, create wealth, 
for ourselves. And so we definitely bonded over some greenbacks. Okay, so we're going to be talking about something really interesting that happened to Tess as it relates to money. But before we do that, we're going to I'm going to tell you a little about her because she is a special lady. Tess is a financial coach and the founder of Wealth with Tess, a financial education platform that helps corporate women and entrepreneurs in their 30s and 40s learn how to grow their money using simple investing strategies so that they can retire comfortably, chase their dreams, and live life on their terms. After losing 80000 in bad investment in her 20s, Tess learned everything she could about wealth building and built her net worth to a million dollars as a single 35-year-old woman. Now she's helping thousands of women learn how to grow their money using simple investing strategies anyone can do, even if they're short on time or totally a newbie investor. All right. So without further ado, welcome Tess to the show. Hey, girl. Hey, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. And I love one that we're normalizing conversations around money, but also the phrase bonding over greenbacks. That is a title of something. I don't know what it is, like maybe a future book. I don't know. Yeah. Well, technically, you know, I live in Canada, so we don't have greenbacks, but we more have monopoly money because it's very (laughs) every color of the rainbow. But really, like, there shouldn't be anything dirty or shameful about talking about money because it is the thing that runs this world. We live in a capital society. And then until that system changes, we all need to get comfortable about talking about money and, and it's okay to like it. I couldn't agree more. I It's so important that we start normalizing conversations around money. I talk to people about this all the time because I see people more comfortable talking about sex and really intimate things than money. And that needs to change because, as you said, it is a tool to create and design a life you love and to create safety and security and all these things. So, yeah, yeah. we definitely need to be talking about it more and making it comfortable for people to talk about it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So today we are going to be unpacking your big life lesson that put you on this path of really getting to know your money better of I I just lost my investment. Now what story? So in, in your 20s, you were in a very privileged and fortunate position to have some money that you could invest, but it did not end well for you because you did lose $80,000. So we're going to rewind the tape to when you were young and just getting into the investment game. And I want you to share your story so other people can, you know, heed from your lessons. And then we're going to talk about what you did to get yourself to like over a million bucks in your 30s. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, I, I love sharing this story, not because it makes me happy. I had a lot of shame about losing <laughs> that much money, but because it's such an important lesson and I learned from it. And just to skip to the end, I I am thankful this happened early enough to me because I was able to come back from it. And now I probably have more wealth because of this thing that happened to me. But truly, I would like to help everyone else avoid these same mistakes. So yeah, no one likes to lose $80,000. No, no. And we don't have $80,000 to lose. And sometimes we don't realize that it's happening in real time. And so that's what I want to talk about and share. So when I was growing up, I was very afraid of money. I had a scarcity mindset. My mother would repeat all the time. I don't know if we have enough money for that. And so I grew up very afraid and I would hide dollar bills everywhere And when I graduated from university, which I had done everything I could to get a scholarship because my mother had said, you know, we're not going to pay for that. So if you want to go, 
that's going to be on you. And for whatever reason, debt wasn't normalized, which was great in the sense that I was like, I'm not going unless I find a way to pay for this. So mm-hmm. thankfully, I got an athletic scholarship, which put me in a very, like you said, I have to acknowledge that I did start with some privilege here because mm-hmm. unlike a lot of people, I didn't have student loan debt. So Nor I, I'm very, very grateful for that, that I was able to graduate without debt. And so my first paycheck, I wasn't digging myself out of a hole. Exactly. Exactly. So I ended up in a unique job. I graduated into a recession. I'm still super afraid I'm not going to have enough money. And I end up in the most unique first time job, which was as an aerial acrobat on cruise ships. And why this <laughs> why this detail is important is because when I worked on cruise ships, I had no expenses. They paid for your food. They paid for your accommodations. Mm-hmm. So as somebody that had a ton of fear of money, I thought, this is my chance to save all this money. And then I knew enough to know that I wanted to invest it, but I thought for sure, like, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm an average person. I don't understand the lingo. lingo. I need to find somebody else smarter than me to manage this money for me. So I found a financial advisor, a fiduciary, which for those of you that don't know what that means, a fiduciary is somebody legally obligated in the United States to manage your money in your best interest. That's their legal Mm -hmm. obligation. And so I found someone I had known that I had grown up with. And I gave them my money and I turned the other way and I just sort of said, okay, make it be more. And I didn't really pay attention for a few years. And then over time, I started to get a little bit more interested. I started thinking about retirement a little bit more. And what I realized was my returns were significantly lower than what the market was doing. This was between 2010 and 2015. The market was doing great back then. The average annual return between that time was 15%. And my returns were around six. It was very low. So I eventually started diving in. I started, you know, reading books and understanding how my financial advisor was compensated. And I realized a couple things. One, that I had paid over $10,000 in fees very, very quickly, which not only is a loss in terms of the actual fees you paid, but also now that $10,000 isn't getting compounded with the rest of your investments. So a lot of people don't realize this if they're working with a financial advisor that charges one or 2% fee. It seems innocuous because it's a low number, but over time, it adds up to significant amounts of money. And if you invest with a financial advisor for 20, 30 years, $500 a month, you're talking about $200,000, $300,000 in fees over your lifetime. Most people don't realize that because we don't do the math. So that was the first thing I figured out. The second thing I figured out was that they had sold me an annuity, which is basically your own individual pension. So you put some money in and then in retirement, you get a specific amount every month. Mm -hmm. This annuity, I found out later, was better suited for somebody in their late 50s. I was 27 when this was sold to me. The financial advisor got commission on it. And that $20,000 is no longer accessible to me. I actually can't get that money back. It's locked in this pension that'll pay me $93 a month when I am 65 which is going to be like $10 at that point or a lot less than that. Yeah, the value of that is Yeah, the value of that will be more. nothing. It'll be like a Starbucks or something. So that is a huge loss. That's also tens of thousands of dollars because, again, that $20,000 isn't compounding and I can't access it. There's no way I can surrender it and get that money back. The third thing that happened was I wanted to invest in real estate because I had a dream to retire a little bit earlier. The property I bought 
was not inspected properly. I found out later there were sewer issues, all these things. So I was about 30,000 down in that real estate investment within a year. So I figured this all out in the course of maybe a year or so. And I added it all up and I thought to myself, oh my God, I've just lost like $80,000 in total by being uneducated about these things. Even though I thought I was so responsible, I was so proud, I made the money, I saved it, I gave it to someone who I thought was you know, more capable than me. But the financial industry itself, and we can talk about this a little bit, is not necessarily created in the best interest of the consumer because of the way that financial advisors are commissioned. So unfortunately, I lost a lot of money. But as I mentioned, after that, I learned everything I could about investing. And I realized this amazing truth that it's not as hard as we all think. So that's what I do now is I teach people how to manage their own money using simple strategies anyone can do. Even if you're you're like me, you're like, there's no way I can do it. You can. You just need the you need to understand the language and get a basic education. And it's so fun teaching it now because I just see it unlock for people. So that's my story. And that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. I feel morally obligated to do it to make sure people don't make the same mistakes I did. What I love too, is that even if someone still wants to work with an advisor, it's important for you to know what they do so that you can be monitoring what's going on, right? Like you need to have some basic knowledge when you are working with any, anyone who is helping you do anything. Like I had a contractor in my backyard who was, you know, supposed to be doing all these things. And my lack of knowledge of some, you know, things made it so much more challenging because when you're questioning, you're like, why is this happening this way? What it like, you do need to have some basic knowledge, even if you physically aren't going to be doing the work yourself so that you can know like, that's not right. Like something is wrong here. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm glad you brought this up right away. Because one thing I want to be clear about is, I actually don't think this financial advisor was intentionally acting in my in, you know, in a way that wasn't in my best interest, the industry itself just has a conflict of interest, because they're compensated by investing in certain things, selling you certain things. And so, like you just said, there are financial advisors that are great that can really help you. But the only way that you're going to be able to vet them is to get a basic education yourself. And so I have a small group coaching program that teaches people the basics of investing in four weeks. And in that program, I have a list of questions to ask your financial advisor, because I'm not going to sit here and say there's no, you know, financial advisors are bad. That's definitely not true. There are some amazing ones. The ones I like the most, quite frankly, charge a flat fee on an hourly basis to work with you. So you know exactly what you're paying versus mm -hmm. a percentage of your money, which is, again, more innocuous because it seems lower because you're not actually transacting the money. It's coming out of your investments, but it's really yeah. not. So it's there not, are a lot it's, of it's bleeding. It is like it's a slow bleed. Yes, yeah, slow bleed. A great, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it is definitely a slow bleed. And so the you know, I refer people to flat fee advisors occasionally if they still don't want to do it themselves after learning the basics. But I want every single person to understand the basics and have a list of questions so that they can vet if they are going to work with a financial advisor and feel good about what they're doing. And, and also important, if you have kids, you need to understand the basics so you can help them start to learn. And that's how you start to build generational wealth. So either way, however you're investing, you still want to get that basic education. Okay, so let's, let's go back to you have this aha moment of, 
holy, holy crap, like I've just lost about $80,000. What was the first thing that you did? The first thing <laughs> I cried a lot. I would have too. Like I, I do not like to lose money. I don't think anyone likes to lose money, but like that, that hurts like 80 grand that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I cried. And then I had obviously done enough research to figure out what was going on. So, you know, I had figured out what the average return of the stock market was. I'd compared it to what I was doing. And so after I picked myself up off the floor, then I thought, okay, I need to learn more to really understand what the best strategy is here. Because if I can't trust a professional to do it, I want to know how to do it myself. And so then I dove into tons of books, courses. I watched every finance documentary out there. And what I learned was that the best strategies that so many millionaires are using that Warren Buffett, the most famous and successful investor of all time, wants his wife to use are very simple buy and hold strategies that don't involve trading stocks, that don't involve timing the market. It truly is buying simple, diversified investments that anyone can access, even if you only have a couple bucks, and holding them over a long period of time. And so once I learned that, I was awestruck that it's so simple. I couldn't believe it. And I, I did more research. I'm like, it can't be. Like, it can't be that simple. That doesn't, like, there has to be a different strategy here. And the more research I did and the more people I talked to, at the end of the day, it's just so hard to time the market and it's so hard to pick the right stock. That's a little bit like gambling. But because Mm -hmm. the U.S. economy over time improves, if you hold a diversified portfolio for a long period of time, you have a very high likelihood of getting a very good return. So once I figured that out, I thought, okay, everybody needs to know this. And now I continue to educate myself as much as possible. I block a few hours every week to dive into different strategies, what's new. But quite frankly, the tried and true buy and hold diversified investments, meaning like funds that hold a bunch of different stocks at once is the best strategy. Hmm. Okay. So you you shed some tears. You like blessed and released that loss. And then mindset-wise, what did you have to do for yourself to give you the confidence to be like, I can do this? Like, so many people out there are just so scared of making mistakes. And you obviously had just made a really big one. So I'm sure that it wasn't just like, all right, here we go. I got like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure you had to hype yourself up and like, okay, like, what am I doing? Yes, 100%. It took a while. Between the time that I realized what was happening and the time I actually had the courage to break up with my financial advisor and manage my own investments, that was about a year. It took a while. And during that time, I kept doing research and trying to prove myself wrong. Like It can't be this simple because I had so many limiting beliefs. And eventually I thought, okay, you've done all the research. You've read so many books. You understand the data like the back of your hand what's Mm -hmm. stopping you? And at that point, I realized it was really limiting beliefs. One being that I'm just not smart enough to invest. So even if you learn all this stuff, if you in your bones believe that you're not smart enough, you're not going to go do it yourself. Mm -hmm. The other thing I thought was I felt like bad, like it was greedy to be like focusing on this topic all the time. And, And so I unpacked that too. And I thought, okay, if this is important, money is a tool. Money is a tool for safety, security, to get out of a bad relationship, to make an impact in issues that you care about. Money in in itself is not a bad thing. And so that was a big pivot for me as well. And then the last limiting belief I had was that I wouldn't have time to manage my investments, which 
didn't make any sense because at that point I had already learned that the simple investing automated strategies that you buy and hold a very similar portfolio for a long period of time were the best strategies. So even after I educated myself, I kind of had to go back and figure out what was holding me back. And when I did, then I was able to, I brought awareness to those limiting beliefs, reflected on them, and then you know, debunked them and then was able to eventually take action. But yeah, it wasn't an easy process. It certainly took some time. For sure. And then, you know, doing your own research is great. It can be overwhelming and it can be a little bit like analysis paralysis. And so, you know, even though you were breaking up with your advisor, were there other people that you were now turning to for advice, suggestions, like even if they, it was just following somebody on social media or, you know, reading their book, who were kind of your money inspirational, you know, mastermind team that you were turning to, to be like, okay, these people have the life that I want. I am going to, if they say something that I'm probably, I want to follow what they're doing. So there were two books that I read that turned everything around for me. One was Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. And the other was A Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And both of these books are very different style. If you're familiar with Tony Robbins, he's obviously very enthusiastic, you know, bouncing off the walls and has a very specific style of, of coaching and helping people, you know, with their blocks. But that book that he wrote was pretty tactical in terms of the information it gave. It talked a lot about how simple investing works really well. And then this other book I read just felt like totally different. It was very straightforward, very calm, very simple. I I don't know the author personally, but I imagine him just being like a very chill person that doesn't really Mm -hmm. elevate, like even keeled. It's honestly a little bit of a boring book, but it's a genius book. And I highly recommend anyone that's interested read it because it's so powerful in terms of simplifying investing for the average person. Even if you don't have any financial knowledge, he does a great job of breaking down the financial jargon. It's a great book. So those two really opened my eyes to the possibility of how simple it could be. And then I needed more validation. So I reached out to two people in my orbit that I knew were investing. They both happened to be guys. And I asked them, I said, hey, this is how I'm thinking of investing. Does this make sense to you? And they both said, yes, absolutely. That's how you're supposed to do it. Like it was knowledge that they already had. They were like, yeah, of course. Like that's how you do it. And doesn't everyone know this? Yeah, (laughs) doesn't everyone know that? And then they were like, you know, we do other, we invest in other things, but that's more speculative. And a lot of times we lose money on that. So the majority of our portfolio uses this really simple investing strategy. And for me, that was enough. I thought, okay, like that is a lot of validation. Then I went on Instagram, started following some people that I trusted, that seemed very authentic. I checked all their data and they were saying the same thing. So at that point, I just had so much validation in different places that I knew this made sense. And I continue to make sure it makes sense, right? Like economy changes, data changes. So I'm very adamant about making sure that if something changes, I'm proving myself wrong so I can adjust and make sure I'm I'm coaching people on the right stuff. But it's a tried and true no-brainer strategy. And now it just I feel like genuinely morally obligated to share it because it is something that really anybody can do as long as as long as you get a basic education. Love it, love it. Okay, so what would you tell your twenty-year-old self? Oh boy, uh, I would. You know, I I try to look back on 
and give myself some grace because I was doing the right thing, you know, like I saved money. I didn't spend money on anything. I would probably actually go back and tell her to spend, enjoy herself a, a little, little bit. More. A little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to investing, I wish I had just picked up a book or a podcast on simple investing, but it's hard. The problem is that I looked, I remember before I invested with the financial advisor, I read a few investing books and they were very complicated and they talked about reading financial statements and different ratios to identify stocks that might be undervalued. And that book was pretty overwhelming. And I thought, well, I'm not capable of that. I picked up the wrong book. And that's the problem with not having financial literacy and basic investing as part of our education system is that it's hard to know what the right information is going to be. So, you know, I want to say I'd tell her to go back and get educated before she invested with a financial advisor, but I actually tried, which is why I now feel so compelled to teach people the basics of investing because I don't think there is enough access and enough people talking about the simple ways to do it for the average person. So, you know, I would, I, I get it. So it's tough. Like, I guess giving myself grace, I'd say, you did your best. <laughs> like you did your best. Yeah. And I again, I wouldn't necessarily change anything. I'm sort of dodging your question here, I guess, but I wouldn't necessarily change anything about what happened because I'm a millionaire now because that happened. If that hadn't mm-hmm. happened and I hadn't have realized those things, I wouldn't have gotten more interested in investing. I wouldn't have started aggressively investing in real estate. I wouldn't have started investing more every single month. I definitely wouldn't be where I am today if I had stuck with that finance. Ironically, I would I would have less money for sure because I'd be less interested in building my own financial independence. So, yeah, it's a tough question for me to answer because in a lot of ways I'm grateful for that, you know. Yeah, she the that mistake or those stumbling blocks put you on a new path that led you to where you are today and having done the things that you've done to get you to today. So it's, it was definitely not like a regret question, but like, you know, just going back to that younger self and all the shame that you felt and all of the, you know, guilt and the judgment and, and all the things is like, what, what would you tell yourself? Yeah. I, that's uh, saying it that way. I would say that it's okay. And this is for anybody that has made a money mistake because most people have made a pretty bad money mistake. We don't talk. Yeah. (laughs) Raise his hand. We don't talk about it enough, but most people have. And I try to create safe spaces for us to share these money mistakes because a lot of times there's no path in which you would have known better. And so in all of my free investing workshops and in my course, I repeat this phrase all the time, give yourself grace and then take action because that's all you can do. And so, you know, that's what I would have told her back then is Give yourself some grace. Be nicer to yourself because there's no way that you would have known. Like you try, you did your best. And it's the same. None of us are actively trying to lose money, right? And then we do and we feel so stupid. Like we should have had this information. Like being good at money and investing is something that you're born with and you either have it or you don't. And that's just not true, right? It's just like anything else. It's a skill that you have to learn. So for anyone listening to this that is either not investing and thinking, I need to get on that or has no idea what's happening with their investments or no idea what they're invested in and is now like, shoot, am I am I losing a lot of money? Mm-hmm. Whatever you find, give yourself some grace and then take action. But be nice to yourself first because we don't come out of the womb with this knowledge. No, definitely not. And we 
you know, our, our parents, our grandparents, they were doing the best that they had at the time they had. And now it's just our jobs to help the next generation moving forward. So for your future children, if you do decide to have them or your, your internet children, the people that you inspire, <laughs> what three things are you going to be adamant in making sure that they learn very young about money? Sure. So the first one is to really just spend less than you earn. That's that's 101. You can't really invest if you're spending more than you have coming in. So that's that's basic. Prioritizing what brings you joy, what's important, what's necessary, investing some of that and then making sure that's under how much you make. So that's the first thing. The second thing would be also enjoying your life, right? Like making sure that some of those things you're spending money on are things that bring you joy and learning how to prioritize that. One thing that holds a lot of people back is actually not the investing. Investing and setting up automated investments on autopilot isn't hard. Managing your money and coming up with an intentional spending plan to make sure that your money is going to the things that matter most, that's harder for most people. So I'd probably focus on those two things first. And then the third well, I guess those are kind of related. The second and third, I, I would say, is that there is no limit to how much money you can make. And that's not just investing. That is in, in your life. You can, not, you can only save so much money, but you can increase your income infinitely. That's mm -hmm. easier said than done, right? Obviously, it's hard work to upskill, to get promoted, to start a side hustle to increase your income. But it is more possible to invest and design a love a life that you love if you increase your income. And so you got to do both. You got to make sure that you're managing your money and prioritizing it in a way that feels good to you and your soul. And then also knowing that you are limitless in terms of your income potential. And then the third one would be making sure that you're paying your future self by investing. That's what investing is, right? It's not we're not investing and putting money away because we were told to, it's really for future you. It's so that future you can live an amazing life. And thinking mm -hmm. about it that way, like it's like a salary you're paying yourself for the future when you don't want to work. And that is a really important concept because I think a lot of people feel like they're putting money in their 401k and they like don't have access to that. And that sucks. We got to reframe that. Like, like this yeah. is your money for you in a few years so you can go do cool shit in retirement. <laughs> like yeah. that is what um, this is about. For sure. I, I went and did a, a workshop about money and like money seeds. And it was like, what, what's your, all your beliefs about money? And, and, you know, the phrase was pay yourself first. And there were so many people like who put their hand up and like, what does that mean? Right? Like, and it's like, well, it's not giving yourself some money so that you can then go pay your bills, right? Like, this is not like you being your employer to give yourself your, your weekly allowance so that you can go and spend it. It's like, pay yourself first that like that future self gets theirs. And then what's left is paying off your debts, paying for your things, paying, you know, buying yourself, whatever you need to do. And, and then using some of that to like do other things that you want to do with the money. But yeah, the paying yourself first isn't into your checking account so you can go buy stuff. It is your future self. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So now what? What do you got going on? I know today is a really special day for you. Today is a special day. I have a lot going on. So 
Uh, I just shared with Jessica before we started recording that today is my official last full-time day at my nine-to-five that I've been working at for over seven years now. And I started my financial education business about two years ago, not really ex- not really with the intention of leaving my full-time job. I actually really liked my job. I worked for an amazing company. I reported to the CEO. I was a VP of operations and I reported to the CEO as a great human and has been very supportive of my business. And after a few team restructures and my job role kind of changing, he sort of said, this might be your moment for you to go try your thing, which is so cool that <laughs> that I was able to have that conversation with him. So, so yeah, so we decided a few months ago that I would slowly exit. Today is my last full-time day. And I'm so excited because I just updated my small group coaching program to help women, mostly in their 30s and 40s, learn how to invest in four weeks. And so we talk about the basics that you need to know. We get rid of all the fluff. And that program, if I needed a signier sign that it was the right time for me to leave my full-time job, that program actually sold out this week for October and is half-filled for November. And so I am, I'm just so excited because I always end up with the coolest group of people in these, in these classes. And what's nice is that in the group setting, everyone realizes that you know, we all feel like we're behind. We all feel like we're not good at money. We all feel like we should be further along at this point. And so it's such a great way to just normalize those those money shame feelings or those negative money stories. And then by the end, we have an investing strategy in place. And it's just like awesome to see those transformations. So I couldn't be more grateful to be doing what I'm doing now. And I'm just going to continue to share as much free content as I can on Instagram which is uh, probably the best place to follow me if you want free investing tips at, at Wealth with Tess is my handle. And I'm going to just keep coaching as many people as possible because watching this unlock and people being able to eventually quit their nine to fives and start their dream business or take their dream job or just spend more time with their kids, you know, whatever it is, is priceless. So I'm very grateful to be wow, doing what wow. I'm doing. All right. Well, you have answered my next question is where can people find you? So yeah, Wealth with Tess is your IG. Where else can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah. So the best place to find me and to start getting investing information would actually be to grab my free Savvy Investor Starter Pack, which is a four-step toolkit to help you get started investing. And it's a totally free guide. So you can download it. Can we put the link in the in yes, the show, in the show notes. notes? Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. So the link will be in the show notes. So it's a Savvy Investor Starter Pack. It's totally free. And it includes everything from how to calculate financial metrics. There's actually a video of me talking about all the investing mistakes that people make, most of which I have made. I have made almost all of them. So if you want to avoid all the mistakes that cost me a lot of money, I actually gave access to a video in my paid program in that guide. So grab the free Savvy Investor Starter Pack. That's the best place to to get started if you want to work with me or just learn more, more about getting started investing. And I'm assuming this is like cross-border available, like even though some people may not be living in the United States, these are like broad general investing knowledge that they can apply to whatever country they're in, right? That's a great question. Yes. And that is true. This investing strategy, the buy and holding simple investments, and usually that if you want to Google what the simple invest, I keep saying simple investments. What I'm talking about is index funds, which is the fund that holds a bunch of different stocks at once rather than trying to pick one. So it's like the variety pack of investing. So those types of funds are available globally. The only difference is the retirement vehicles or the tax advantage vehicles. So for example, in the States, you have retirement accounts that help you save money. And then inside those retirement accounts, 
you will have investments. It's the same in other countries. And actually, Canada and the UK have better retirement accounts than the US. Shocker. <laughs> what? This news. So if you're in the UK, you have an ISA. I don't, oh, Jess, I can't can't think of the Canadian. I was just talking to somebody RRSP. about RSP. Thank you. So they're all, what's inside of them is what we're talking about. So those simple investments, index funds that hold a bunch of different stocks and holding on to those for a long time, that strategy is the same. The only thing that'll differ by country is what type of account you hold it in. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. All right, everybody. So did this episode resonate with you? I know it did with me. Uh, if it did, give it a like, a share, make sure you subscribe. Or if you know somebody who is in a similar situation that the lovely test was in, please, please, please share this episode with them because it may help them figure out their very own now what. So that is it for us this week. Congratulations, Tess, on your final day of employment, full steam ahead into entrepreneurship. I am I always get super excited when when people cross over to the to the light side. <laughs> Thank you so much. Jess. I'm so what a great way to celebrate with a podcast with you like a now up podcast is just perfect. So thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. I'm so so lucky to know you. Me too. I, I can't wait to meet you in person. We need to figure that out. And I think there's going to be some other things that you and I can collaborate on for sure. Okay. Amazing. So that is it for us. If you want to hear a little a bonus from Tess, if you want to like hear more from her, she and I are heading over to patreon.com backslash I just blank now what? That is where all the patrons hang out and they get to see some behind the scenes and extra juicy bits. So if you are not yet a patron, make sure you go and sign up to be one. With a very small financial contribution to the show, you get access to a whole bunch of cool stuff. So that's where Tess and I are hanging out now. And we will see you next week for another episode of I Just Blank. Now what? Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.